listening to The Salty Witches Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Austin, and of course I'm here with Mike. Today we're going to be discussing ancestral work. Before we do that, let's get into uh, just the niceties. How's everyone doing today? Well, everyone is me, and I'm, I'm doing okay. Good. It's been, it's been a productive day so far. Car batteries and kitty litter changing out the boxes and things, so... You know, the glamorous life we live. Yes, the managers. The managers got to take yes, care of that's them. Right. Yes, that's right. Yes, we have to clean the manager's toilets. Um, let's talk about ancestral work. Yeah. Uh, this is a really interesting topic, and, you know, and it continues to be one that I see trending in a lot of the pagan slash witch communities. Um, people are very curious about this. So, Austin, what is, what is your definition of, of ancestral work? Like, how would you explain ancestral work to someone who was very new to that idea? Ancestral work is, like everything in witchcraft, it's work. And so what we do when we're doing ancestral work is we honor our ancestors, but we also work to um, better ourselves so that we may better the ancestors of the past. Now, that doesn't mean that I'm working on myself to be the best person I can be to absolve great Uncle John of whatever atrocities he did. Um, the idea for me is that I honor myself, and therefore, because I am honoring myself, I am honoring my ancestors. All right. Cool. All right. I, would, I would agree with, with, with that. All right. Yeah. You, you raise an interesting point with the way that you kind of explain that, though, and you talk a lot about how living your best life and doing all that you can to show up for yourself to be a better person the best person you can be right to live with integrity honesty all those things right um how doing that is not necessarily of course going to reverse the say the the bad things that your ancestors may not have done right i think i think anybody who is you know in intent on on doing ancestral work anybody that's you know into, into doing like genealogy or any other kind of like well, just that. Anybody who's looking at the people that came before them, I think all of us at some point have, have come into connection with an ancestor that was trouble. An ancestor that was probably not a very nice person. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, and, you know, and I, I think there's an idea going around a lot of the alternatively spiritual communities right now that we have the ability to somehow heal or reverse or absolve those, those souls from the things that they did that were maybe so bad. You know, and, and as you were just saying, we, we can't. We can't really do that. All we can do is, is our own spiritual work. And those souls, even though they're no longer in this realm, they're still doing what they need to do to make good for those things, right? Yeah. Well, and I've noticed that there's this idea that it's almost like a responsibility that people have tried to take on. I, 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 had this converse, I was having this conversation with someone the other day, and they... We're talking about, well, it's it's my job to, like, heal that generational trauma um, for, for, for my family. And all I could think about after the stories that this individual was telling me was like, wow, it sounds like it's a, that your family is a family that you should no longer be a part of. Yeah. And it's this very foreign concept, and it's a very old concept of that our family and our ancestors are just whom we share blood with. And that's just not true. That's just not true. Yeah. We do have different types of ancestors. And I think let's let's talk about that a little bit more in a moment. First, though, I want to say before we kind of move on from this particular topic, 
um, or this this part of this discussion, you know, I, I've also had conversations with a lot of people, even in just recent days, about this. People who have contacted us in some way to inquire about their own ancestral work, and you know, I, I in in the course of those conversations, I you know, I, I made the point that I'm gonna about you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna make again here is that those those souls, those people that were our ancestors, okay, particularly the ones that were problematic kinds of people, you know, people that did horrible things, you know, they were murderers or, you know, rapists or, you know, I, I think a lot of people now, particularly, um, you know, uh, Caucasian white people, you know, are now more and more becoming aware and acknowledging the fact that, yeah, well, all of us at some point probably, you know, like, like you, we've had ancestors that were slave owners, right? I mean, uh, you know, and so, you know, there are, I think, um, th there's an awareness about these things now, but we have to remember that what those souls did in the lifetimes that they lived in the past, you know, hundreds of years ago, some of them, that those were not things that they were doing because those were evil things. In that era, that was an acceptable thing. You know, I, I talk about this, and this is always a tricky conversation, particularly because I've had this conversation with a couple of people of color, you know, um, and, uh, you know, and, and, you know, black people, black spiritualists, you know, and there, um, there's this, of course, they're, they're still rightfully so because we're still dealing with a lot of these issues around racism and white supremacy, right? Um, there, there still is a lot of, I think, uh, upset and, and um, you know, and, and anger in, in black people, particularly here in the U.S., I think, around the history of slavery in our country. And, you know, in explaining that to, to these people, they're like, well, you know, you guys have to do good to make, or, you know, you guys need to do what you can by us to, you know, to, to make good for what your ancestor did to us. You know, and, and again, and in this lifetime, yes, we absolutely, we can do that. Mm -hmm. But I can't do something in this lifetime that is going to reverse the fact that I may have had an ancestor that was a slave owner, right? Um, and I just want to say, to be clear, I, I didn't. My, my family's really fairly new here to the U.S. And Same. None of us, none of us are, were slave owners. And I'm very proud to be able to say that, actually. I, I, I re I'm very happy to be able to say that. Um, but I know there are many people out there who, who don't have that luxury. Yeah. You know, um, beyond that, we're not really, I guess, technically white people we're we're roma and we're we're kind of a different ethnicity um anyway <clears throat> um but we have to we have to understand that those those souls in the lifetimes that they were living all well you know generations back but what they were doing at that point was not considered evil or wrong you know i think that if if those people had lived in a culture or had the understanding that we do now that what they were doing the things that they're doing were wrong or, or just evil that these were not good things to be doing to other people for whatever situation, um, they probably wouldn't have done those things. You know, I think that, that a lot of those souls, you know, they, they're not evil people. They're not really bad people. They may have done things that we now understand to be bad or evil things, but not when they were alive. You know, and even now as they've moved on, I think that a lot of them are becoming more aware. You know, we've had conversations with spirits over the years enough to know that, that they, they do change. They, they can evolve after they move beyond this life. They yes. don't always. They, they don't graduate always. spirit school. Um, exactly. You know, they do They do kind of evolve and move forward. Um, again, not always, but some of them do. Um, you know, and but I, but I also want to say, you know, that 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 is a very, I think, case-by-case case kind of situation. I mean, yeah. obviously, if you've got an ancestor that was a murderer, you know, I mean, mur murders, you know, there, there, I don't think there's ever been a time where murder was considered an okay thing to do, right? And I'm not talking at war. I'm not talking people who have ancestors that were soldiers. Because, you know, that's a very different context for for, for killing, right? Or for, mm. for someone that would do that, right? And that's not, I think, you know, I, I guess in the same sense, that wouldn't really be murder, right? You're a warrior, a soldier, in order to 
do what it's you a job. need to do, you 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 have to potentially take a life, right? So mm-hmm. that is a very different thing. Though you know, I'm I'm definitely not a an a pro war kind of a person. You know, war is a terrible thing, but um, I don't know. I I just uh, you know I I want that to be clear. And again, I make that point with a lot of people that we you know we we have to really understand that different eras, different cultures, different beliefs, and and we have to I think. We, we, we do. We have to appreciate that and consider that when we're looking at how we're judging these people, these souls. So, anyway. I agree. So, talk a little bit about the different types of ancestors. Well, <clears throat> so you have your genealogical or your blood ancestors, right? Okay. I talk about ancestors. These are the ones that are going to show up on, like, my DNA test, right? Yeah, these are the ones that right. show up on the DNA test. Say, these like, are the where ones, I'm from, and, yeah. right? Okay. Uh, that you have in this life. Um, is that to say that you cannot share DNA in multiple lives? No, you, th- that's most definitely a possibility. I, I mean, my 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 great grandmother thought that I was her sister who died, you know, way back when. Um, however, uh, there's your ancestors of blood and bone, and then I also qu- put these other ancestors and the other spirits in, um, like a uh, an ancestors of spirits. You know, of soul, okay. of heart. Yeah. Okay. Um, because <clears throat> one of my best friends, she passed away of breast cancer four or five years ago. And she's one of my ancestors. When I call my ancestors, she shows up. You know? Um, so there's this very black and white um, ancestral idea that has been put forth a lot in the witch community. Um, and I honestly am going to probably say it, it, it's perpetuated by racism. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that makes this, sense. This idea that you can only practice the magic that your blood ancestors practiced, and therefore, because you're white, it must be Nordic. Um, first off, your ancestors probably weren't Nordic. Um, Germanic and Nordic are not the same thing. Uh, that also does not mean that you have Viking blood. Uh, that means that you may have been a ha, have some tie there but doesn't mean you have viking blood and so i i have these people who come in and and talk with me and i have private students who just well this is what my ancestors did so i want to do that do you want to do that or is that just what you've been fed obviously this doesn't go for closed practices yeah i mean yeah I'm you know just, i was just gonna say like we do need to be clear on that yeah because closed practices would definitely be an yeah. exception there you know it, it, that, that's an exception there but i have no interest whatsoever in learning the Cornish and Devonshire craft that my father's side of the family would have practiced when they before before they immigrated. I have no interest in that, okay. yeah. and I'm not going to force myself to learn that and practice that way just because some old dead bitch tells me to. Some old dead bitch. Yes. What? Okay. Wow. Okay, I don't know who the, the old dead bitch in that situation is, but I'm I'm very sorry to hear that that's how you feel about her, whoever she may be. Not um, one of my ancestors. <laughs> it's it's authors. It's authors. Oh, gotcha. You know, okay. yeah, th- these these older older generational authors, I think, who who we really we owe a lot to because they you know they they really have done a lot of good, and we have, if you can call it a community, we have the alternatively spiritual communities that we have now, really kind of because of a lot of those people. You know, those were the pioneers. Mm-hmm. But as is often the case with other pioneers, right, they don't always necessarily 
you know, their, their work doesn't necessarily stand the test of time. And I can certainly appreciate that. And so, so again, so we, we do have blood and genetic ancestry, obviously, right? We people, people who were physically involved with our coming into being. Mm -hmm. Um, we also have, as you mentioned, spiritual ancestors. Um, do you want to elaborate a little bit on reincarnative ancestors? I probably want to explain it as as best as you could, but you, my you want me to explain it. I'll, I'll tell you my understanding, and you can go from there. Okay. Um, my understanding is that we have spirits that we have connected with. Our soul has connected with um, lifetimes and lifetimes upon lifetimes upon lifetimes, and those spirits follow that soul or follow that energy with us into our current incarnation and then the next incarnation and they're they're spirits that you could have legitimately no blood tied to at all and they still pop up and show up okay that, that is that is part of that um the other the other piece that i would include with inf information on reincarnative ancestors is that it is also highly likely that at some point in the last several lifetimes that you were your own ancestor. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there is an appreciation or in, in many uh, spiritual traditions and practices, you know, a belief that um, souls will kind of cycle back through again and again, that we maintain these connections with different souls lifetime after lifetime. and in the process of being able to continue to do the work that we need to do or grow in the ways that we need to grow, we, we may have to, you know, we may have to be the one that actually reincarnates or that we may have to be the one that comes back through, you know, uh, you know, I'm not saying that would always be the case. Right. But, uh, but I, I've met people, you know, I've done past life readings for people when I, where I've been able to say like, Oh my God, like you, you were actually your own grandfather, you, you know, like, your own like, yeah, you know, and, you know, and people are always very curious to hear that, you know, um, and, you know, and it is, it's a little bit of a discussion that has to be had at that point around mm -hmm. what that means. Um, but that is also something that, that is, is, you know, we need to consider. And, and that I think to me is one of the big reasons why I, again, always encourage people to, uh, to honor their ancestors by honoring themselves. Yeah. Right. You, if we, you take care of yourself, if you, you know, again, if you try to live the best life you can, um, you know, that is, is really actually probably the best way to honor all of your ancestors. Well, I mean, the first altar is the body. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. And that altar is comprised of blood, bone and spirit. And it stands to reason that if you are a witch or a practitioner or a pagan, whatever you want to call yourself. Um, if, if you're honoring your body and yourself, you know, all things, all mm -hmm. things about you, yeah, you are indeed honoring your ancestors. You are indeed honoring and taking care of them. You are a housing unit for thousands, thousands upon thousands of generations of love that came before you mm -hmm. or hate. Well, we'll hope not hate because... The world doesn't need any more hate. Um, okay. You you talked a little bit about the body being the first altar, which I think is a, a nice segue into 
ancestral altars. Let's mm-hmm. talk about that a little bit because that that right there seems to be one of the other components of ancestor work that really confuses people. Um, you know, like <laughs> like how do you what what does it need to be? How do you raise one? What needs to go on it? You know, how do I work with it? You know, these are things that we hear a lot from people who are are particularly new to ancestral work. And I want to say, first of all, as is often the case with most of witchcraft practice, there's no rule to ancestral work. Yeah. There's no one right way to do ancestral work. However you feel your uh, process is working for you, that's what's working for you. Um, Now, having said that, there are things you can do that are going to be I think giving you better results, particularly if you are trying to strengthen connection with your ancestors, particularly those spiritual ancestors, mm-hmm. right? Um, so one of the things that we, we often teach people or we talk about is that in raising an ancestral altar, that it is a good idea to actually have a physical altar space. Yes. Right? Creating a physical altar is one way for you to be able to bring the spiritual into a physical Kind of kind of space yeah right um once you raise a physical altar for your ancestors the kind of the understanding is is that you don't move that altar around like if you raise an ancestral altar that is an altar that really needs to kind of stay where you put it yeah uh because at that point it's not really your altar it is your ancestors altar yeah um now they could probably instruct you to move that altar maybe mm-hmm. and then that would be okay they but, could instruct your request yeah but i i had like i i i I just always remember a story. I had a client who was was really kind of just getting into ancestral work, and she raised an altar um, probably about a month before she knew she was going to have to move. And she then, of course, she had to take down her altar and mm-hmm. you know and pack everything away. And when she got to she and she told me this in a reading, she came to see me when she got to her new apartment. Um, she put her altar up and she said like it was dead like all the spirits that she was feeling before like none of them were connected to the altar in the new apartment um you know and she had to kind of do a little bit of a ritual to invite those spirits back in but Mm -hmm. but you know in essence kind of what she did is she she relocated their home without Mm -hmm. really you know being you know thinking about oh oh shit you know how are they going to feel about this how is this going to work for them yeah um i had a i had a student who i um i helped set up their ancestral altar and i told them like you cannot move it. It needs to stay here. Okay. Um, if you're going to move it, then there are particular rituals that we must do to basically signify to those spirits, like, hey, we're moving this. Unless they instruct you to move it. Mm-hmm. Well, this student stopped being a student and got involved with, you know, this student stopped being a student because they got involved with, you know, someone that they found romantically interesting. And that's fine. Good for them. Um, oh, geez. Are you unhappy that this person found a relationship? No, I'm happy for them. <laughs> but this individual decided to overrun their lives. <clears throat> oh, I see. And okay. basically told them to take down their ancestral altar and that they didn't like it there and they had to put it away in a closet so that company couldn't see it. Ah. Their house burned down. Oh. Well, I'm sure that that's a very extreme story, though. Like that's an know, extreme story. Like, we don't want but, we don't want people listening to this to think that if they move their ancestral altar, that their house is going to catch fire. No, but like that's like like it's very important that you honor those ancestors, and 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 when you're honoring those ancestors, that could potentially mean looking at your partner in the face and going, 
it's staying here. Yeah. This is where they like it. Yeah. This is their home. And if you don't like it, then you don't have to look at it. Yeah. Well, and I guess that's a good conversation to have if you're living with people, right? Like if you mm-hmm. have your own dedicated space, then it's not an issue, right? But if you are living with people, you're sharing a home, mm-hmm. members of your family, a relationship partner, who knows, maybe you've got roommates, you know, and you want to raise something like this in a more communal space. And I have to be honest, I really don't recommend raising an altar like this in a communal space. Not yeah. unless it is a family home. Yeah. You know, that's okay. But, you know, but again, say you're, you're dealing with like a roommate situation, you know, you really probably want to keep that altar somewhere in a private space, mainly yeah. because it's important the, to you. It's important to you. It's a very personal thing. These are your ancestors. Um, beyond that, you, you don't want whoever else is in that space to be uncomfortable with your altar because then they're going to be bringing a negative energy to that space. Beyond that, you don't want people messing with your altar. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, we, we've had conversations with many people where we've, we've, you know, we've told them like, do not touch another witch's altar. Do not touch another practitioner's altar. It doesn't matter what kind of altar it is. Don't mess with someone else's altar space. Well, also just don't touch other practitioner's things. Yeah. Right. If it's not your toy, leave it alone. Like... Right? Um, I can't tell you how many times I'm wearing something and someone's, oh, what's that? And they reach for it. And I'm like, don't yeah. get your filth on away. me. Like, don't touch me. Yeah. Like, yeah, absolutely. Like, like, keep your hands off my talismans. Keep your hands off my tools. Don't touch my altar. Yeah. So, so it, it's, very, it's very important that when you raise the altar as well, that you don't get caught up in things of a materialistic nature. I think that's very important. Can can there be materialistic things on there? Most definitely. But there's this idea that you need to make it a replica of something that you've seen. And if your ancestral altar is a coffee table with a glass of water on it and pictures of dead people, or no pictures of dead people, mm-hmm. then cool. As yeah. long as you're honoring and venerating. and. Yeah. Uh, so like that. I always do suggest keeping like a, a, a glass of fresh water on an ancestral yeah. altar. I had someone ask me, it's funny you talk about that or that you mentioned that, or I, I guess it would make sense, of course, that you would talk about that because keeping water on your ancestral altar, is a, that, that's a common and a good thing to do. But I had somebody ask me yesterday and I guess apparently they were told by someone, which really bothers me, this really makes me angry. <clears throat> this is someone who is relatively new to ancestral work and they were told by some other practitioner that putting a glass of water on their ancestral altar would would actually anger their ancestors what? that would invite trouble you know and i'm like what the hell you know i told this person i'm like oh my god oh you know like wow you know this person really really misinformed you you know like who who doesn't want water right even even discarnate spirits even spirits that have never been mortal enjoy water yeah you know so yeah because water is life yeah, right? Yeah, it's such an embodiment. Well, and even if it isn't considered life, water is the is considered a doorway between realms. Yeah. You know, it's it's water is a powerful conductor for spiritual energy and psychic ability, you know. So why wouldn't you put water oh, on your on, on any altar, on any altar? And I think we we do. You and I we also have water on our altars. Well, I um uh, <clears throat> it depends. Sometimes sometimes my spirits are like, "Yes, we would like some water. We're done being luscious." And then other times they're oh, yeah. like, yeah. Get that shit away from me. Well, Give yeah, me that good, good. So, well, yeah, you know, it's like, like I usually have water and then also, like, you know, my spirits, they, they enjoy rum. So mm-hmm. I usually have water and rum on my altar. Um, anyway, um, so as you were saying, like, it's a good idea to keep your altar practical, right? Mm-hmm. You, you don't need to break the bank 
trying to create some elaborate altar for yeah. your ancestors. Right? Now, this also varies um, on tradition. There are certain traditions that require specific things and specific setups. Yeah. There are, there are some uh, uh, ATRs, African traditional religions, yeah. that require elaborate ancestral altars and that's completely fine yeah. that's their that's their jam that's their well and they'll have very specific items or tools exactly. on their altars as well um, but but unless you're involved with one of those traditions you don't mm, need to worry about it i mean uh, i think it's santeria i might be wrong people can correct me if they want um but i think santeria is like santeros and santeras they actually have like what's considered like a chamber on their altar and it's usually like mm. multiple glasses of water oh you're talking like like a boveda yeah yeah and, okay. and, a, and it's like set okay. up in a particular manner which gotcha. i've always enjoyed i like I, I like how that looks and i yeah. like to feel that oh it's very it. cool to see those yeah. altars but yeah. i'm like eh. and if you have a santera santero a, a, a bruja who whatever whatever title they may 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 carry um if you have if a practitioner like that allows you to see their boveda their altar space they must really like you or really hate you. Um, well, even then, I, I don't know. I don't know. Because those are very personal things. Mm -hmm. Those are very personal and very private things in, in many of those traditions. You know? Um, yeah. So so keep your altar practical. Keep it simple. Uh, beyond that, I would say do make sure that you put items on the altar that you know would have been favored by your ancestors. Yes. You know, uh, if you had a great aunt, you know, Betty, who loved to smoke a particular type of cigarette and you can still get your hands on that type of cigarette, go out and buy a pack of cigarettes and put, put a, a pack of cigarettes on that altar, or even just mm -hmm. one cigarette on that altar. You don't even need to light it. Just put the cigarette on the altar, yeah. right? Um, yeah. If, uh, if you, <clears throat> that, that, that goes for other spirits as well. If you, had, if you had ancestors who did not drink, did not do drugs, probably not a wise decision to give them rum or drugs, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I, I, I've had people... It's always white women. Uh, who, well, I give my ancestors tobacco. And it's like, okay, well, who Did are your smoke? ancestors? And they're like, well, they were Mormon pilgrims. And I'm like, okay, so they didn't smoke is yeah. what you're telling me. And they weren't native where they're going to have an association with the plant spirit tobacco. Exactly. And so it's like, so you're probably, you know, that's probably not a good You're just offer. burning tobacco to burn tobacco. Yeah. Um, yeah, so do consider those things. Along those lines, you know, and, and again, this is a conversation I had just yesterday. Um, you know, I find that a lot of people who are drawn to ancestral work are people that are coming from families that have a lot of Catholicism. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that that's because in Catholicism, there's a lot of focus on, well, family and the value of family, particularly Roman Catholicism. Mm -hmm. Like Roman Catholics are really big about family structure, traditional family. Um, you know, and so I find that a lot of those people are conflicted because they're witches, you know, and they're like, well, I have catholic ancestry what do i do and i'm like okay you can't get more witchy than catholicism it's so true catholicism is oh my god if you look at the roots of catholicism that is all witchcraft oh my god um but you know but i'll tell these people you know if your ancestors were were catholic and they were the kinds of catholics that went to church and they prayed the rosary put a rosary on your altar right because remember it's not your altar at that point it's mm -hmm. their altar Right. You know, uh, if you can, you know, maybe maybe go to a, a local church and, you know, get like maybe some holy water and put a small vial of holy water on the altar. You know, um, if you can find a, a spiritual supply store, spiritual goods, I mean, like a, like a Catholic supply store, like go and pick up some communion wafers. Yeah. You know, and put those, you know, on a tiny plate on the altar. I mean, those are all just examples for ways that you could appeal to ancestors that were of a particular religious mm -hmm. kind of belief. Um, but that would be true for any, right? Any kind of ancestry. Right? I, I, there, there are also ancestors, and I have a private student right now who does not give her ancestors food because when she gave them food, 
like when she'd set aside a plate for them, mm-hmm. the response she got was like, you're wasting food. We're not going to eat this. We're dead. Ah, okay. You're wasting food. Okay. Um, and the more she, she talked to me about it, it was very much like they were poor. So uh, when they had okay. food, it was like, like you didn't waste, you food. didn't waste food. Okay. And so it was very interesting to me because my family, my, my ancestral spirits always around like Shadowfest or Tinnabus, mm-hmm. they're always like, yes, give me some food. Give me a plate of that. Okay. So usually when, like we, when we gather as a coven, we usually try and set aside like a plate of food for those yeah. spirits. Yeah. Cause they love food. Yeah, particularly at Shadowfest because oh, yeah. that is all about the dead. And dead people, that is one thing that I've gotten in a lot of communication over the years. Just, just extra tidbit. Dead people, by and large, love food. Yes. They miss food, which I think is one of the reasons why a lot of practitioners feel uh, an intuitive draw mm-hmm. to make food an offering. Mm-hmm. Well, right? and for a lot of cultures that um, that venerate and honor and revere their ancestors, mm-hmm. like, uh, example. Italians, what is the way that an Italian shows you they love you? Like we cook for you, or we yell at you, or we yell, or both. Yeah, we yell at you while we're cooking for you. Yes. And so, not only is there an intuitive pull there, but on a cultural level, food speaks. Particularly for uh, traditional Italian witchcraft feasts, they were a common theme. Yeah, yeah, we do eat a lot when we gather. Yeah. I'm true. hungry now. You're hungry? We'll, 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 do, we'll do lunch here in a minute. Okay. Um, well, I mean, when we're done with this episode, we'll, we'll do lunch. Okay. Um, yeah. So consider those things. Think about what your ancestors would have wanted. You know, what, what was common. You know, and if you're not personally familiar with your ancestors, you know, then at the very least, find out, you know, maybe, maybe where they were from. Like, if you do an, a genealogical test or a, a DNA test, Excuse me, if you, do, if you do an ancestral or DNA test and you find out that you have ancestors from Scotland, you know, um, and you feel a particular call to that ancestry, like, do some research and find out, like, what are common foods or what would have been common foods in Scotland during the era that these people lived? Mm-hmm. You know, things that they would have likely eaten, you know, if you're going to do a food offering, you know? Um, you know, I mean, like I said, these are just examples. Yeah. But, but, you know, people do seem to be very concerned about what to put on these altars once they raise them. Um, let's talk a little bit about, because this is slightly different. This is, this is again, an offering that you would make of food, but this is not a process that you would utilize, I think, traditionally on an altar. Are you going to talk about a dumb supper? I'm going to talk about a dumb supper. Yes, we're okay. on the same wavelength. Okay, so, so a dumb supper is, I think, a really, really old practice you know it's something that goes back in a lot of traditions and in essence what you're doing is you gather together the living members of your family you know and ideally you know you've got a nice dining table for this right and you have the people in that home the people you've invited over you sit down and you have a family meal and at the table usually like at the head of the table because the head of the table is still traditionally considered like like if you sit at the head of the table like you're being honored right like that's kind of like a special place you know um you know, and so you would set an additional place setting. You would put, uh, you know, just like all the other people there that are sitting and eating that meal, you would put a plate and cutlery and, you know, pour, you know, maybe a glass of wine, you know, I mean, and you would actually serve this extra place setting, you know, and there's nobody sitting there because this is for 
the spirit that you are trying to connect with. This is for that ancestor that you are calling in, that you are, and you are making it very clear, like, this is for you. Please join us at the table. You know, um, yeah, you know, I think that's another uh, really simple uh, way for people to honor their ancestors that doesn't even really need, yeah, like, you don't need an altar for that, mm -hmm. right? Because that's kind of like a, like a, a, a very specific ritual process that you do. You know, and, and that's it. You basically, you set the place, you know, and, and the living people at the table, you know, you all enjoy your meal, right? And you all visit and talk the way that you would as a family. Um, at, over the course of the conversation, it would, of course, be good for you maybe to talk a little bit about the soul that is, you've invited in to sit in, that, sit in that additional space, right? Because you want that energy to be there. You know, you're opening a door for them, mm -hmm. right? Um, you know, and then the meal is over, you clean everything up and everybody goes on with their life, right? And that, but that's a very nice way to honor specific ancestors. Um, more specifically, like blood ancestry, I would think that particular practice. Yeah. Um, not that you couldn't use that for spiritual ancestors, you could, but I find that spiritual ancestors are very often less inclined to come and sit down and like, oh yeah, let's have a family dinner, right? Like mm -hmm. they're not, they don't usually work with us anyway. <laughs> Unless you were um, really that close in life. I, well, yeah, exactly. You know, like if, God forbid, God forbid one of our coven members passed away um, and we did a dumb supper. Most likely one of our coven members, I think, would come. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. But, I mean, well, we've established as a coven, we've established energetic, like, spiritual bonds. I think that, um, the, 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 in, in my opinion, at least, and, and I'll, you know, and I'm, I'm biased, of course, it's my coven, but, um, but we've established bonds, I think, between members of, a, of our coven that are, I think, in some ways, more intimate and and actually are deeper than even blood connection. I agree. Well, and, and this goes back to what we were talking about at the beginning when we started recording, is that blood really, as important as that can be, ultimately doesn't mean jack. Yeah. You know? Yeah, oh yeah, that, um, that old saying, blood is thicker than water. No, that, that, that just is... Just because it's thicker just means it separates from the water quicker. That, yeah, blood is not thicker than water. You know, um, I... Not I anymore. Mean, Particularly, if we're if we're looking at like, um, in the eighties, um, was the eighties the AIDS pandemic? Yeah, like well, I think I think the early eighties was was when, when actually I think really became what you could call a like a, a pandemic. Yeah, when it was really like that's when it really. I mean, because I think I think if you look at the medical history there, you'll find that there were I think cases of eighties popping up in the late seventies. Yeah, well, so if we look at that um, though, there there are there's an entire culture, the LGBTQIA plus culture where we were shunned from our families we were pushed away we were turned away we were disowned and so um using the ballroom scene as an example you created a family oh you're, you're talking like the old like ballroom like the old club well i'm talking like, like that ball, but i'm also community, like paris is burning or mm -hmm. um oh god what's the new show that we watched that we pose love? pose yes pose exactly yeah it's um, all about that that the ballroom community in and, the 80s and yeah just because you know this 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 family takes you in and this happens more frequently than not i mean i love i i love my blood family do i have our issue do we have our issues yes we do of course i'm the black sheep it happens um but um i have a connection with mom with with the matriarch of her coven. My, my my birth mother. yes with, yeah. with mike's birth mom that is really close to a motherly like a, a blood mother connection to her I, I love her if she needed help i would be there for her and she's had the mother talks with me you know certain mm -hmm. certain things of like well this yeah. is this whether you want them or not exactly 
And Vlad is hell. He's my brother. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. Yeah. So we, we make our own family. Yeah. And, and as a result, we make our own ancestry. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very true. Yeah. What else would you maybe recommend to people, like, as far as, like, ancestral work or, or ancestral altars are concerned? Because we, we've, we've had, I think, overall, we've, we've talked about some very key factors here, you know, even in the course of having a fairly general kind of discussion on this particular topic. We've touched upon some really good things. I'm, but I always get to that moment in our, our podcast where I start to kind of think, like, what questions have I gotten? What questions have I heard? What things do I continue to hear are causing confusion for people? And, I mean, can you think of anything that we haven't talked about, you know, that would be good guidance? Oh, you know, one thing I was going to say about food. Going back to the concept of food or the, the sub subject of food as an offering, okay? Someone asked me, I think just yesterday, if you make an offering of food to your ancestors, uh, really to any spirit, I would say, to be honest, um, do you... Do you, do you ultimately, do you end up eating that food? And, you know, and I think, again, you're going to find different beliefs around that or, or in different traditions around that. But, but I would say no. I, I think that for you to make an offering of food to your ancestors. And it's then, a sacrifice. Exactly. That is a sacrifice. The whole concept of, of you giving food to your ancestors or to whomever the spirit would be. Because we make food offerings to our gods mm -hmm. in our tradition as well. You know, they don't need that food, but that is a sign to you, like, I am going to do without this. I am going without this food so that you can have this. This is a gift. This is a sacrifice I am making for you, you know, or, or to you, you know. And so, um, so I tell people, like, no, if you're, if you're going to make an offering of food to your spirits, your ancestors, don't eat that food. You know, um, I, if, it's, if it's something that you've made that you know is not, does not contain anything that would be potentially harmful to animals, you know, after it's been on your altar for a few hours, Take it outside, let nature have it. Yeah. You know, it's food, it's biodegradable, right? I mean, you know, it does not have to go to waste. If that is your concern, it does mm. not have to go to waste. Someone will benefit it from that. Well, and, and you could, if you knew, if you would cook that food and you knew that it wasn't harmful to animals, um, and you have a familiar or a, uh, uh, or a pet ally of your own, yeah. give it to them. There you go. Yeah, you know. Oh God, if you've got a dog, oh my God, dogs, dogs will eat everything. And again, yeah, as long as there's nothing in there that would be, would harm your animal, you know, and you're okay letting your dog eat, you know, people food, you know, yeah, why not? I'm so. more okay letting dogs eat people food than cats. I don't know yeah. why that is. No, I think a little bit. I'm we're talking about this, and I'm remembering like, you know, the the stories, the the spiritual practices around offerings, and sacrifices, in the Mediterranean to many of our spirits, and I think. Hecate specifically as a goddess, mm -hmm. you know, many people who were, um, we'll say a little more privileged, a little wealthier, you know, who would work with Hecate as a, as a, a deity, you know, they would go, they would take offerings of food to public or communal altars to Hecate or leave them at like Hecateons near crossroads and things, you know, in that, that ancient culture, in those ancient cultures. Hecate is not the only goddess that people would do this with, mm -hmm. but she's a big one, you know, um, and there was an understanding that you would leave your offering and, um, and there would be poor people or homeless people in the area that would, after you'd left the offering there, that would come and they would actually take that food mm -hmm. um, to feed themselves, right? And in that situation, that was actually considered a good thing. That was a good thing to do because those particular gods, those particular spirits, they usually were spirits that would protect over 
the, the marginalized. Mm-hmm. They would watch over the homeless or the needy uh, or, or whatever the marginalized group would be. And so it was considered not only an offering to the God, but also a way for you to work with the God in their aspect of being a merciful and mm-hmm. charitable deity. Well, it's it, it, this comes, comes to a concept of like priest and priestesshood. Obviously, most of the time, priest and priestesshood it requires some sort of initiation. Sorry, you cannot be a self-initiated high priest or high priest. I was priestess. talking about this yesterday on my the live I did like, on like TikTok. You cannot self-initiate. Yeah, you, yeah, you that cannot is, self-initiate. That I swear to God, if I hear someone say that again, I'm gonna. What are you gonna do? I'm gonna, what are you gonna do? I'm gonna scream. You're I gonna scream? scream? Oh, okay. Well, as long as you don't physically assault that person, I guess you're okay. Because if I hear you screaming the in, whole, in the shop or something, I'll, I'll know what's going on. The whole idea of being a priest or a priestess of a particular deity is essentially doing that deity's work. It is embodying that deity's Mm -hmm. aspects and work. So as a Hecatean practitioner, it it is my job, it is our job to make sure that individuals who are marginalized feel safe with us that yeah. they are protected yes we create an environment of safety and that um, we help and that we teach most of what we mm-hmm. do at our shop in particular we do because we are working as devotees of hecate mm-hmm. it, it's our job to help reward witches it's it's all these all these things and this this is why i've seen a lot of hecatean practitioners i think it's like a subconscious thing where we are like adamant about wearing masks because about wearing masks during the pandemic oh okay because it's not protecting us it's protecting those who yeah. need it yeah there, there is an understanding with most hecatean practitioners at least in my experience and i don't want to talk too much more about hecate just because it's not what this episode is about but um but there there, there does seem to be an understanding with a lot of hecatean practitioners of you know like this understanding like we're all in this together you know, like it takes a village. We're all, we're a community, you know, mm-hmm. and no, yeah, we don't, that doesn't mean we always have to get along, but we at least need to care enough about each other as humans not to deliberately treat each other like shit. Yeah. You know, yeah. So I can absolutely see what you're saying with that, but as with masks as an mm-hmm. example, because well, you're right. That's yeah. one of the biggest reasons why we're keeping masks in effect in the shop is because there are people who still are, cannot, are months, scheduled months out to getting their vaccine. Yeah. Well, and a lot of people who, for whatever reason, can't get the vaccine. Exactly. And they still need, need they still need to be protected. And exactly. That's, and that's what we're doing. And so that's it. what you're doing for that. Yeah. So, all right. I just want to talk a little bit about food because that, that was another question that I'd gotten recently that I was like, okay, we, maybe let's clarify mm-hmm. this a little bit because, you know, that food is such an, a good offering to make, particularly for your ancestors. If they were living, like these are living genetic blood, whatever kind of ancestors. Food is always a welcome offering. I mean, even mm-hmm. other spirits that, that traditions work with, you know, you're talking about the Loa or the Orisha or, you know, I, these different types of spirits, like in our tradition, the Lare spirits, you know, like we we make uh, offerings of food because much like water, who who doesn't enjoy mm-hmm. eating? Who wouldn't want that kind of an offering, mm-hmm. you know? Um, well, and for those of you who share similar belief or ancestor or have experienced the same thing as my student with the ancestors were like don't give me food that's that's wasting i'm not i can't eat that i physically can't eat that Mm -hmm. cook the meal and eat it yourself okay you know cook the meal and present it to your ancestor saying i cooked this 
in, in, in a way to honor you and honor your spirits. Okay. But I am going to consume this as okay. to not let it go to waste. Okay. So it's not, okay. All right. So you're, so in that situation, it's not the food itself. It is the offering. It is the service or the yes. act of cooking the food. Yes. Okay. So I could see that like, particularly like if it was like a, a family recipe, like mm-hmm. this is something that you're, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's, I think that's a great way to do that. My, so. my, my grand aunt Camilla's, uh, cannoli cake. The cannoli cake? Yes. That I've never had. Yes, you have. I made it. I don't remember eating a cannoli cake. I remember you buying cannolis, but I don't remember you actually I making made a cannoli, a cannoli cake. cake. I think that might have been for someone else. No, you were here. I remember because everyone talked about how rich it was. Oh, wait. I, I, it's less of a cake and more of a pudding, like a bread pudding. Oh, maybe. Really. Okay, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Okay, all right. Okay, then I guess I have. All right, you're off the hook. Okay, never mind. I should make I'm not, that. I'm not angry with you now for not baking for me. Um, let's talk really quickly since we're still on the subject of offerings, goods or bads. I usually tell people when it comes to things like money, things like that, don't give that shit to your ancestors. Like they're at a point right now where they don't really need it. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, I know a lot of people who will make offerings of coins or whatever to their spirits. And there are spirits out there. Again, you know, uh, not ancestral spirits but other types of spirits that you know they they will happily take coins they want those things you know um because taiki fortuna um, what taiki fortuna yeah well yeah taiki uh fortuna you know um i think most deities to be honest don't mind offerings of 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 coins or, or money um but uh but when it comes to ancestors i mean i i don't know what good that would do and we've actually had ancestors communicate with us and say like i i don't need that that's not something that exists where I'm at. You know, what, what the, like, you need that more than I do, you know? And so, so I usually tell people, like, when it comes to the, the things that we associate with status and worldly kinds of power, I usually tell people, like, those are probably not going to long-term be the best offerings for your ancestors. Yeah. Now, of course, I'm sure there are exceptions to that, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you're, uh, you know, say your, your great-grandmother was... Perfume. You know, yeah, perfume. Well, perfume's a little bit different because perfume has a lot of other energetic associations too it's not just about status and power I, I realize it has has those associations also i'm thinking more like if you had an ancestor maybe that was say someone that was the uh like the owner of a bank mm-hmm. you know like that might be an ancestor where i'd be like you know what i'm gonna put a few dollar bills on your altar just because this is something that was a big part of your life you were somebody that tended in and cared for money as, mm-hmm. as, as an energy, money as a symbolic or a material form of mm-hmm. energy. This was something you did, you know? And so that, that I could see maybe being an exception. Um, but, but yeah, I used to tell people like, don't, don't waste your time giving your ancestors things that really don't have value beyond life. Yeah. You know? um, Other things you could put on the altar beyond those things would be, um, obviously pictures of your ancestors, but also, um, pictures of, like ancestral homes oh yeah like where they lived yeah right yeah or if they have like favorite things like Mm -hmm. say like maybe like they love this car and you find a picture of their car somewhere or yeah yeah like if you if if you had ancestors example if i were to set up a a, an ancestral altar for me Mm. um i would put pictures of italy up i would do pictures of because of eclipse of italy um stuff like that i'd probably try and get some sort of italian something there okay just to honor those ancestors and on the flip side i would also put up on for for my patriarchy 
my, my patriarchal side, my paternal side, um, I'd, I'd put up things like um, cornfields, you know, or, or a sheaf of corn, just because my family were farmers. Okay, all right. So they farm corn? They did corn, they did, um, they did lots of other things, too. Okay. Okay, because I'm just thinking, like, it would be good to be specific about mm -hmm. that. Like, yeah. Like, you could do, like, an ear of corn, or depending on what else they grew, you could put, like, some seeds yeah. from that particular plant or vegetable on the mm -hmm. altar. Um, well, you talk about plants, and I want to say that's all, that's always a good thing, I think, to put on an altar, right? Like, like spirits love flowers. Right? And I don't like to do cut flowers. Like, when I put a plant, like, ideally, if I'm going to put a plant on my altar, I like to do, like, a potted plant, yeah. something that, like, isn't going to immediately die, you know? Um but there have also been situations where cut flowers have been appropriate mm -hmm. because a, but cut flowers, like an offering of flowers like that or a plant where that plant has been cut, like that plant is going to die. And that is another means of, of sacrifice. Mm -hmm. You know, that is another, you know, and I, of course, always like talk to the spirits of those plants before you do that, right? Make sure they're okay being a sacrifice. But, mm -hmm. uh, but those are good things, I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, the last few couple times, last few times, I, should, I guess I should say, I made... Um, Carbonara. Mm -hmm. Hecate wanted the leftover basil. Yeah. Because I don't use an entire thing of basil in it. Yeah. I think it's like a fourth a cup. And so she was like, yes, give that to me on my altar. Okay. And I was like, okay. There you go. So they're on my altar right now. I need to go clean it. Yeah. yeah you know, I usually do have messy altars. We do a lot with our altars. We do a lot of work. Yeah. Well, I think that's that's kind of the life of a professional witch, though, yeah. right? <laughs> we're doing our work, and we're also doing a lot of other people's work. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Well, should we talk about what we're loving about witchcraft? Yeah, let's let's. I think we've talked about ancestral work. I I, I hope that the information that we've talked about with where ancestral work is concerned, I hope that we have covered a lot of those big things for people. I think that we have. Um, and and if not, those of you who listen to this episode, feel free to contact us and let yeah. us know if there's something we, we missed that you you have a question on. We will happily contact you back, and we will we will let you know. Yeah. Um, Mike, what are you loving about the witchcraft community or whatever going on? What am I loving about the witchcraft community right now? Um, actually, you know, just in the last week and a half or so, and this is going to sound silly probably because it's not that this is a new thing. You know, we are still dealing with, and it's not just the U.S., but it seems to be a huge problem here in the U.S., but we are still dealing with a lot of issues of white supremacy, racism, and police brutality. I mean, I think just in the last week, we've had two or three, like, black people, people of color that have been shot and killed by police officers, mm -hmm. you know? And, you know, and of course, there are many other things that we need to do, right? Like, we need to protest, we need to send money to these organizations that are organizing legal efforts, not just for these particular people who mm -hmm. have been harmed or their families, but just for civil rights, human rights, right? We need to do those things. We need to be practical and handle things on a physical, mundane level. But as witches, we also handle things energetically. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the nice things I've noticed in the last week or so, at least, is I've had a lot of witches that I network with, you know, talking about like, hey, we're, we're gonna focus our effort to this thing. We're gonna be working spells of protection. You know, we're going to be, be aligning ourselves and our, our practice, our witch practice, something like this, which I like because, you know, to be honest, I don't see other religions doing that. Yeah. Like, you know, not that witchcraft is a religion, we're not, but but I don't see other spiritualities doing that. Like, I, I have yet to see anything, like any kind of organized effort 
from like the American evangelical community. I have yet to see anything from that community well, about like how they're we're going to gather together and we're going to actually put our money and our effort and our faith toward protecting the black community from mm-hmm. police violence. Well, yeah, they're you racist. Know, they're not I, yeah, well, yeah, we, we know that the American evangelical community has a huge issue with white supremacy and racism. We absolutely, we know that. That is absolutely true. Um, and, you know, and so, and so, of course, that's why we're not seeing it from them. But, you know, but they're not the only ones, right? We're not really seeing a lot of effort from, you know, really, really any of the other Abramaic faiths, you know? Um, well, we're not seeing anything from light workers either who are yeah, all about love. Yeah, the light worker community fails every time when it comes to that shit. I have yet to have a single conversation with a light worker where they've been fully aware of what is going on with all of that, those issues. And, and beyond that, where they've actually been willing to step up and donate their time and their energy. They just, they don't want to be involved. They just want to send love and light and manifest peace and, you know, we're seeing how well that's all working now, right? Um, anyway. Well, they're too busy vibing I don't, in 5D. Well, I don't want to, I don't want to, this is, we, we shit on the light workers enough and I don't want to go there. They deserve it. Um, but, you know, so, but I guess what I'm loving getting, with all of that being said, what I'm loving right now is I'm loving that, once again, huge chunks, huge parts of the witch community are stepping up and they're saying, in addition to all the other things that we're doing as people, we are also going to be organizing these magical efforts to help to protect. And I'm, I'm really liking that uh, because once again, we, we are all connected in this world in some way. You know, even the people in the world that I, I don't like and I, I, I regret, you know, I, I, I don't want to be connected to these people. I have to admit that even on some small energetic level, I am connected to these people. You know, which means, again, that we all, at the end of the day, we all have to do what we can to look out for each other and not be assholes. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I'm liking that about the witch community right now. What about you? What are you liking about the witch community? Um, I had something and it left my brain. Oh, I know what I'm liking. I'm liking the, um, the... The people who are spreading misinformation, when they're getting called out, and, and this has happened a couple of times on various social media feeds and um, and just in the community in general, when they get called out by someone, I've seen it a couple of times where they actually apologize, step hmm. down, okay, and af- after obviously like fighting a lot, <laughs> um, they, they actually apologize and step down because... There's this uprise. I've been seeing this resurgence of people like, no, you're wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, and here's why, and here's why, and here's why. And while this person who is wrong is like standing their ground, just waves of people are just coming at them. And so I guess it comes to, it comes to prove, it, sh- it shows is that, I can't speak today. It shows that, if those who are well-informed, if those who actually have the proper amount of information and the correct information and sources mm-hmm. actually come together and go after that one person or people who are spreading misinformation and lies, mm. we can actually make a difference. Yeah. Well, I think it's to be clear, okay, the way you... Because the way you said that... Um, sounds a little, ugh, not too nice. Okay. And I guess where, where I, what I mean by that is like, it's not about when we, we become aware of someone who has been misinforming or someone who is 
passing along that the incorrect information or, or information that's not not really right, you know, in whatever sense, you know, it's not about attacking those people, right? Our, our mission at that point should not be to attack those people mm-hmm. because it, more often than not, those are also people who have been misinformed, mm-hmm. right? You know, they're just passing off the bad information they got from someone, yeah. you know? Um, and so it's not about attacking these people, you know, which is unfortunate because I think more often than not, that's what these people feel. They feel that they are under attack. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not about the attack. It's about reaching out and being able to connect and say like, you know, like, you know, this is actually not correct. And I can provide you with information as to why I can show you why and your personal experiences and your personal feelings do not invalidate years of established, researched, verified information. Okay. And, and that's how I think I, I'm sh- and I know that's where you're going. I know yes. that's what you meant. I'm just you, not as loquacious. You, sound, you sounded like you're like, yeah, let's get these people. And it's like, no, no, no. I mean, like yes, a... that's also, also part well, of me. That's just my personality. You know, I have those moments too, you know, depending on what it is I've been told, you know, or what I'm hearing from people that they've been told, I guess. You know, it's I'm like, I'm like, not only was this information wrong, but the person who said this to you, like they were malicious in the way that they were trying to misinform mm-hmm. you. Like they didn't, they weren't just passing along some tidbit that was inaccurate. They were like, like there was almost like deliberate, like they were trying to deceive you. They were, they were deliberately trying to twist your head around, around this. And those are the situations where I'm like, yep, let's light up the torches and grab the pitchforks because someone needs to shut this person down. Mm-hmm. You know, and I know we see that a lot with the online witch community in particular, because it's so easy to have a voice. It's so easy to set yourself up as some sort of expert on whatever it is you think you're an expert on. Yeah. Um, you know, and it, it really is a lot about ego, unfortunately. Um, negative, negative manifestation of ego. Yeah. Um, so that's a good one. I like that. Yeah. Because I can see that mm-hmm. too. That's a, that's a good thing to like about our community right well, now. Well, and the cool thing that I'm seeing is it's usually one person who's extremely well informed and read. Like the situation I'm, I'm thinking about popped up on TikTok a couple days, uh, like two or three days ago. Um, are you on TikTok? You're on TikTok all the time. Um, I'm not on there all the time. You're on it right now. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm, I'm like, I'm, I told you, I actually made an announcement. Not an announcement. I did a post on TikTok probably about a week and a half, maybe about two weeks ago now. Basically, it was like, that. I just, I can't anymore. The, the noise and the misinformation, the, the chatter and the static on that app from so many people who do not know what they are talking about is just, it's just, it's mind numbing and it's so frustrating some days. I mean, it gets to the point where it, it like literally like it builds anxiety in me sometimes, you know, and I, I, and there are so many people that are reaching for you for answers and help because they've been lied to or misinformed uh-huh. or caught up in some sort of the witch talk drama, the social media witch drama, you know, um, and, you know, and it's very much one of those things like, like I'm, I'm very busy and I'm only one person and mm-hmm. I already have so many things I've got going on. I, there's not enough of me to go around to answer everybody's question. There's mm-hmm. not enough of me to go around to do all of this. Well, and that's not your um, responsibility. Well, no, but I kind of feel it is my responsibility because I've put myself up there and I've created a platform to be, edu- you know, to educate and to inform people and to give people good information. Yes. And but in doing that, that means I do need to show up in that way. Yes, but, but it does not mean at the detriment of yourself. No, exactly. And, and that's where, I, where, where I'm going with that is that, you know, a couple weeks ago I did say like, you know, I really, I'm not going to be on as much. I'm not going to be as available to really talk. You know, I will still post on occasion if there's something important that comes up, you know, I will still do my weekly live, you know, to, re- to reach out and, and to answer questions for people, which is the whole purpose of that mm-hmm. live is to answer people's questions. You know, but, um, yeah, anyway, 
So, yeah. But basically, it was one person who was really well-informed, and then a lot of younger people actually, like, gearing up and being like, no, like, yeah, this is this is a thing. So, it's, it's, it's cool that we're seeing that. Yeah, I would agree. What are you hating in witchcraft? Um, you know, I, I can't say hate is too strong a word for this, but I will say this is still something that is a, a mild issue for me or a mild case of annoyance for me. Okay. Um, I think that Lucifer as a deity, as a spirit, I believe, or I can see that Lucifer is once again, kind of coming back into prominence mm -hmm. within the spiritual, the witchcraft community. Um, excuse me. Um, and I'm very happy for that. You know, uh, we, we work with Lucifer to some capacity within our own tradition. Um, many other traditions associate or, or involve Lucifer in their practices. There are, there's, of course, there's a whole branch like Luciferianism mm -hmm. within our witch community or our cult community. Right. Um, I, and I guess where I'm going with all this is that I, the thing that is continues to be a little irritating for me or annoys me is this fear, this continued fear that we have, or that I continue to see in people when the name Lucifer comes up in conversation, you know, and, and I guess what annoys me the most about that is it's telling me that people who are bridging from Christianity into witchcraft as a spirituality, that they are not actually doing what they need to do to deprogram that they are not doing what they need to do to be able to purge and clear all of the bullshit that was poured into their ears by church mm -hmm. and religion. And, you know, and they're not willing to give these spirits very often amazing, you know, beautiful, wise, powerful spirits like Lucifer that really, to be honest, never, has, never did anything to harm humanity, you know, um, who's was given a bad rap and was demonized literally well he's by demonized religion because um, free will yeah and you can't have free will and also be you know part of the uh you know be under the thumb of the authority right um so anyway so i guess what i'm seeing is that that this uh, there there's this irritation in me about how lucifer continues to be like oh that's scary oh well lucifer's evil well lucifer's the devil and it's like no lucifer is none of those things and you really do need to educate yourself, you know, and that's a conversation I, I'm finding I'm having more and more right now. And it's the weirdest thing because it's, I feel that Lucifer, as I was mentioning, is kind of growing in popularity again, you know, because these things are always trends mm -hmm. in the witch community, right? There's always the new generation of witches that goes on to discover everything and they think everything is new. And it's like, no, no, we've been doing this for they years think they're and original. years and years. Yes, they think they're original and that what they're doing is now like this new cool thing, you know? Um, and it's like, no, no, this has been around for more than a while. Um, you know, and that's okay, right? That's the excitement of being a new witch, right? That's a yeah. good thing. Um, but, but yeah, but I'm seeing this like, like, no, we, we've got to address this fear of not only Lucifer, but of many other old spirits, you know, uh, particularly these horned God, these horned God kinds of spirits. Cause we hear that a lot with Baphomet too. Mm -hmm. Like people come into the shop and they'll see the, one of the statues of Baphomet in the store and they're like, Oh my God, you know, like, Oh, Satan evil. And it's like, no, no, you don't even know who that is. You walked in and you made a snap decision, a snap judgment on, on just the, that statue and what that meant because you have not been able to fully remove yourself from your old Christian belief. Mm -hmm. 
And you have to do that. A part of decolonizing our practice, this decolonizing movement that's so popular right now in witchcraft, which is both a good thing and a bad thing. And, you know, if I'm being completely honest, I don't really think that there's a way for us to decolonize our witchcraft, at least not as it is practiced today. Contemporary modern witchcraft practice, you cannot take the colonization out of that practice without dramatically harming that practice. Mm -hmm. It just, it just, it's not going to work. Yeah. But I, you know, but I encourage the effort. I think it's a good thing. But part of decolonizing our practice is de-Christianizing our practice. We have to take Christianity out of witchcraft. And I know there are people listening to this who are going to be claiming that, you know, or identify as Christian witches. And if, if this is a problem for you, I'm very sorry. I would never want to hurt your feelings, but you cannot be a Christian and a witch. You cannot be both. You have to make that choice. Your Christian doctrine says that you cannot be a witch and be a Christian. Read your fucking Bible. Yeah. Anyway, what are you what are you hating about witchcraft right now? Oh. Or the witchcraft community. Oh God. So much. Um, and that's very sad. It's very sad. Um. So much, you say? So much. Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Do you need a hug? No. Okay, good, because I don't want to touch you. Oh, you haven't showered today. You look sticky. Eh, true, I am stinky right now. Um, well, I said sticky, but... Oh, yes. Okay. I look sticky? I don't know. What am I, a toddler? Uh, I don't know. Anyway. What am I hating about witchcraft? I love pretty shiny crystals. I mean, don't we all? Stop it! Oh. My. God. I'm so over it. There are... I, I, I'm sick of it. Well, is there a crystal to protect me? Is there a crystal to ground me? Is there a crystal that will help me find love, but true love and self-love all at the same time? Is there a crystal that will help raise my vibration? Is there a crystal that will help lower vibration? Is there a crystal that I can offer to this obscene, obscure deity where these crystals actually never were sourced from? But is there like a crystal that's sacred to them? Crystals, 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 crystals. I love crystals. Don't get me wrong. They're great, powerful allies. However, stop it. If you can't shield yourself, tourmaline's not going to do shit for you. If you can't sit and ground yourself, hematite's not going to do shit for you. If you can't fucking pay your bills on time, moldavite's not going to help with that. If you are stuck in a dead-end job and you are so complacent with your with with this but you want something more a piece of malachite is not going to get you a new job stop it so basically if you're unwilling to do the work yourself yeah you you, you yeah. can't rely on something like a crystal or a stone to do that work and i'm so over it I'm so over it because you have all these people. Are who, you over it? I'm so over it. Okay, all right. I have these 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 people who just push the rhetoric of crystals and shove it down these people's throats, and I'm I am amazed. All the drama and flabbergasted at the misinformation, the the. 
honestly, the lack of critical fucking thinking and more. Well, I think this is, and I was talking about this yesterday. This to me is just another form of spiritual bypass. Which is impossible. You can't spiritually bypass shit. Well, you can, but but then you're not really... No, the, no. The issue with spiritual bypassing is, is that at the end of it, you're not really bypassing anything because all of that stuff you're is procrastinating. Still gonna, it's all still going to be there. It's all still going to come back to get you. You're, you're procrastinating. There's no cheat codes in witchcraft. There's no cheat codes in spirituality. You don't get to do up, down, up, down, left, right, square, B, A, and boom. That's my finishing move, man. You have now the everybody knows. perfect, amazing life. And anyone who's telling you that, anyone who is selling you a crystal, telling you it's going to change your fucking life, don't trust them. Yeah, they're lying. They're lying to you. I'm also seeing this trend of people stealing crystals because that crystal wanted to be set free now here's the thing i am all for the ethical is that still a thing yes oh God. I'm, I'm i'm all for the ethical harvesting is that the right word of crystals well you're talking okay okay you're talking about like ethically harvesting crystals you're talking like where you're going out into the wilds and you're doing, ideally, before you go out and pick anything up or dig anything out, you're talking to the land, the spirits there, and making sure it's okay. Yeah. Right? And you are, you know, and you are then taking those new stone or crystal friends home with you. Right? Which is, well, absolutely. Like, if you're handling that and doing it in the right way, the responsible way, great. Okay? You're not talking about that. You're talking about people who are going into spiritual stores who are stealing. Yes. They're stealing. And they're saying that this is okay because, what, that crystal needed to be freed? Yes. Okay. I'd heard that this was a thing a few months ago, but I didn't realize this was still happening. And I'm just going to say it right now. Stealing is wrong. Point blank, period. Stealing from a spiritual store is even worse. Because at that point, you're you're fucked because most of the time if you're going into a legitimate witchcraft shop we put spells on shit so good luck that's true we do we do hex the items in our store if you if you steal them you you will be hexed if you pay for them then you're good you nothing to worry about but if you come into our shop and you steal shit ooh. even if that's by accident and the hex on our that we put on our store is not a pleasant one trust me you you will you will have there will be no doubt you you've been hexed um, and it will start as a trickle of bad luck and snowball and, and so I'm so sick of this. I can get the same effect going on a walk, finding a piece of rock on the side of the road and going, I like you. And it responded to me going, I like you too. I could put a spell on that and get the same effect as any fancy fucking crystal out there. And if you as a witch do not see that, you're not a witch. You're an aesthetic, you're an aesthetic Instagrammer. You're a light worker. You're a light worker and an quote unquote influencer. So stop it. I can see that this is a, a very, a very difficult it issue for you. It really just you, upsets your, me. Your, your blood pressure's racing. Your face is all red. Is my just, face red? You're just like, I can just see that this is hugely problematic for it you. It just I'm, upsets me because. I'm so sorry. The, I'm so sorry. I, I deal with these people and I get these questions. Well, is there a crystal that'll do that for me? No, 
but if you combine this this small amount of herb with this thing, you get a better result. But I want a crystal because I'm more comfortable with it. So you're comfortable with the shiny sparkly thing, but not actually doing any of the dirty work that comes inherently with being a witch. Well, you're, well, you're also well. A big part of witchcraft is is actually the the mundane shit that we have to do. Yeah. Right? Like, okay, if you want if you want to find a new job, you know, I mean, please come into the shop, pick up a piece of green adventuring, right? Wonderful stone green adventuring for helping to find a new job or a new opportunity like that, right? It helps you with confidence. It gets you fired up for the change that's coming. But you still have to go out and submit applications to jobs. You still have to send out resumes. You still have to go to interviews. You're still Be going to have to do all that shit. Better yet, better yet, how about this? Come into the shop, buy the green chime candle that everyone freaks out over because apparently all other candles no one knows how to fucking use. Rub that shit in some cinnamon light it and when it's burned out take the remains and carry them with you in your pocket to a job interview to applications there you go then you don't need a crystal that you think is just going to do the work for you at that point you've put in the work you've rolled it in the cinnamon and you've lit it and you've said i want to find a new job let the flame of this candle charge this and i'm going to take it with me boom much more effective. You'll see a better result than relying on a crystal. I'm scared. That's what I'm hating about witchcraft. Okay, clearly. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure everyone listening to this episode is probably terrified by now. Good. Um, you should be. No, you yeah. shouldn't be. I'm just very passionate because uh -huh. all it does, all it does is keep you in a stagnant place of your witchcraft. That's all it does. That's true. If you if you, you you buy into those things and you're not able to move past them or or at least incorporate other things, you do. You kind of really you do. You hit a stopping point, and and that's always a bad thing for spiritual practice because spiritual practices always need to evolve. Yeah, yeah, that is very true. And I and I'm I'm honestly not that upset because Toby hasn't reacted. Manager. Manager Toby, is, Manager is Toby Manager Toby is fine. He's good. Well, he's he's like he's unconscious. No, he's, he's not. He's still listening to everything. Uh, Watch his ears twitch. Toby. Anyway, see his ears twitched. All right. Well, I think we're going to call this an episode. Now that Austin's done having his episode, we're going to call this an episode of the podcast. You had your episode. Did I have my episode? You did. I don't remember getting quite as fiery. Christian witches. I did say a swear. Yes. But I didn't, like, anyway. Um, we hope everybody enjoyed this discussion on ancestral work and the last 20 minutes of our whining and complaining about witchcraft. We also um, talked about what we liked. That's true, we did. Um, as always, if you have questions, please please find a way to contact us. Um, you know, we are all over social media. You can find us at Cat and Cauldron, our shop, all over social media. We, we did just go in and create a Facebook presence for the podcast itself. So you can go in and look for the Salty Witches podcast on Facebook. Um, of course, we're streaming everywhere else. Um, we will be back next week with uh, an episode on closed practices because this continues to be a hot button topic. A hot button topic and one that has a lot of people confused. And on that episode, um, I will be joined by Vlad who is an indigenous man. 
and Hez, our, our, our demonologer friend who was on a, a prior episode. And um, these are both practitioners that are uh, very knowledgeable in multiple traditions, and both of them are involved with um, what would be considered closed or initiatory practices. Yay! Um, I'm excited I'm, for Hez I'm, and I'm going to be on there because we, we also, I am, I'm also involved in enclosed practice, and I feel that, um, you know, I have some, some important points to share but that's primarily going to be about vlad and hez that episode yep. um i'll be there too will you be there okay you have to promise to be quiet because i want to hear vlad and hez's voices most on that one yeah you'll be quiet you're being quiet now it's weird you're never quiet um thank you so much for listening we will uh we will hopefully uh have you listening to next week's episode as well uh we're gonna go ahead and, and sign off would you like to say goodbye, Austin? Goodbye, Austin. Thank you, everyone. <laughs>